What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Cabbage Cart Podcast, where we'll be discussing all things Avatar. That includes Avatar The Last Airbender, The Legend of Korra, the graphic novels, and books. Fair warning, this podcast will contain spoilers for all Avatar content. With that being said, I hope you enjoy the show. This week on the cart, we have the Rise of Kyoshi novel picking up right where we left off. Really not a lot to talk about right now. Let's just jump right into it. What's up, Clark? How you doing today? (laughs) (laughs) That was beautiful. Doing good, man. So, all right, let's recap where we were at last week. So, what happened on the last episode? <laughs> Brave of you to put that on me. You're like, bring what happened? Because uh, <laughs> I know neither of us remember properly. So, the la- we ended the last episode on uh, the iceberg where right. Kiyoshi is summoning up rocks from the fucking earth or from the seabed. And they're dealing with the Fifth Nation Army. And they basically... End up murking all those fools. They find out. But everyone everyone knows now that Kiyoshi is the Avatar, not Yoon. It comes to that realization. Everybody that's in that circle yeah, knows right. now. Yeah. Right. And then, uh, so, and then what? So picking up the, you know, in the next, in the coming days, Janzu takes Yoon and Kiyoshi out on a ride on Ping Ping. He said this is like, a, like Kelsang is healing from injuries that he sustained in the fight. At the at the iceberg, and John Zhu's like, okay, well, I'm taking you guys on an Earthbender only mission. And, oh, okay. yeah. That's how he that's how he uh, pitches it to them. Yep, yep. He's like, that's why that's why right. nobody else is here with this. Mm-hmm. And he flies them away to a remote mountain uh, that they go into, and I believe it's described. They drop into like a valley, and it's this old. Like ancient, worn out village. Like it was once a village built out of stone. Oh. Um, so it's an earthbender village, but it's it's long forgotten. Um, and he takes them into the center or whatever, and uh, he lights incense. And he's like, "We're gonna contact a spirit." He lights this incense, and then as they as they're meditating, Kiyoshi realizes she can't move. Yeah, you remember this? Yeah. And then, so she's so she, yeah. So he's uh, he poisoned them basically. Right, right. right. And this poison uh, paralyzes them, paralyzes her and Yoon, and uh, um, then emerges the spirit, and the spirit is Father Glowworm. Like they see this big eyeball come out, emerge, and then he's like, it's like a slug or like a tendril motherfucker. Yeah, slinks out and he's slimy with these slimy green tendrils and he's this giant, giant and, and teeth in the in, yeah. the in the in uh, the in the slime, right? Like right, human teeth just right. rolling through the slime. Oh, it's fucking yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's like uh, I imagine very like descriptive. he's a he's like Co the face dealer, but he's also he's different though. Like he's like of the same. Species, yeah, or like he's like a centipede looking he thing. He looks like he looks like Ko, but I think he's he's uh originally much bigger, like he's, right. he's bigger than Ko, is right? I, th- I think so, yeah. I think so too. Um, he Jianzu asks him to tell him who the avatar is, so he whips out a tendril and like tries both of their blood, 
Oh yeah, bites uh, into their yeah. their skin with his mm-hmm. slimy teeth. Teen. <laughs> yeah. Teeth slug. <laughs> and uh and he he confirms that Kiyoshi is the avatar. And he's like, "Good." And then Father Glowworm's like, "So, I helped you out, Zhu. You know the deal." And Kiyoshi's like panic and then but she can't move, right? She yeah, can't Kiy- move. Kiyoshi's like she's so she's frozen solid, yeah. listening to all this go down, yeah. but can't do anything about it. Yep. And he's like, you know the deal. And he's like, Yep, take you. He's all yours. And so he starts he's about to eat Yoon or whatever. And John Zoo drags him out of there, but then Yoon breaks out of the paralysis. Because or at least enough to move, because Master Mock taught him poison training. So he was able to move out of that, but still Father Glowworm took him in. And he was like And, and Jianzu doesn't really put up a fight either. He kinda like lets this all happen. No, Jianzu doesn't care. He's just grabbing Kiyoshi and leaving. Yeah. He like, don't give a fuck about you. Yeah, he's, he's like, like whoever's the avatar after this test is the only person I care about. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't give a fuck about you now. He's like, You're just some fucking kid. You're nobody. Yeah, and I then, wasted, he's like a shame. He's like I wasted time on you. Yeah, how does uh, th- how does Kiyoshi get out of the paralysis? Does she end up getting out of it? Yeah, yeah, she it it wears off, and so she starts. She's actually she actually gets shackled up by Janzu, and actually during this time, like when the paralysis breaks, she can't bend. So, and like she's so filled with rage that she spits fire. Oh yeah! Oh so dude, yeah, yeah she fire sick. breathes and yeah. and then Gian's is like, oh yeah, you are the avatar. He's like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, sweet. And you know that's the first time Kiyoshi bent any other element. Uh, was was the fire, and then she, yeah. And then so this is all going down, right? And then we see, well, well, Gianzu brings her out of there. I'm sorry if I'm. I should be. I think this is correct. Uh, Gianzu brings her out of there, and Gianzu takes the shackles off of her because he's like, he's like, you're the avatar. Like, yeah, he's trying to get her on his side yeah, immediately. Yeah, despite what just happened. As soon as he lets her go, she starts throwing shit at him. She throws like a big old rock, and he's just like splits it in half, you know. And like, he doesn't, he doesn't even fight her. Basically, he just he just like stops her easily. And the whole time he's trying to explain to her, like, yes. whatever happened to you, and like, I'm sorry about that. Like, he's immediately trying to like play almost like a like he's a victim too, right? Right now, even right. though he set it up and he mm-hmm. knew this was gonna happen. And then Kelsing arrives. <sighs> Kelsing comes flying in. She can already tell that like it hurt him to fly so hard because he's on his glider because they have ping ping. Um, she can tell he's wounded, but he he arrives and he's Gianzu's like, you know, what's going on here? Or Kelsing's like, what's going on here? And he sees the look on Kiyoshi's face. And he knows something's up. He knows something's up. So he's like, we're getting out of here. And I believe Kelsing like Kelsing discovers that Yoon's dead and he's so they start fighting. And it's not a very long fight, cause Kelsang tells Kiyoshi, like, go. Like, yeah. So he gives her space to to leave, but it's not a very long fight. Janzu throws a uh like a dagger of earth through Kelsang's neck. 
and starts and he starts bleeding out. Yeah, what I remember from this chapter is that um, it's kind of ex- explicitly stated that um, where Kelsang went to go like subdue Jianzu with his attack. Jianzu used that counter attack to go for the kill. Right. Jianzu, right. like he, like Kelsang had no intention of actually hurting him. He just needed the space away from him so that right. they can get out of there. And then Jianzu used that to straight up kill Kelsang right in front of Kyoshi. So not only did he just kill Yoon, killed Kelsang, killed Kelsang too, right in front of Kyoshi. Somebody who Yoon, we you know Kelsey. Uh, well, Kyoshi saw as a father. Well, Kelsang is a, yeah, like yeah. definitely a father figure, and he actually talks about that next, and in, in that she had like visions of him when they were younger, right? And the pain of that, and so and Yoon on top of that, who what her best friend? They even said it earlier in the book that she kind of had like feelings yeah. for him at one point, right? And then both of those people were getting killed right in front of mm-hmm. him by Jianzu, and that triggers the Avatar state in Kyoshi. For the first time. For the first time. So she goes into the Avatar state, and I believe she she basically uh, she takes out this whole mountain. Like, she causes an avalanche, it must be, and uh, brings down the mountain upon Janzu, and Janzu tunnels out. Like, when she wakes... Oh, actually, no, she wakes up in the next chapter from the Avatar state, correct? Yep. All right, man, it's you. So she... Uh yeah, so she's in the Avatar state, and I think she actually burns everything because it starts off where she's actually remembering a vision from her childhood where there was a firework bender, or excuse me, a firework vendor. and Firework bender. Can you imagine that? <laughs> Isn't just that just a fire like, bender? Yeah. yeah, but he's shooting fucking fireworks. <laughs> Does that make Gandalf a firebender? Ooh. Anyway, sorry. It happened to be a mixture of earth and fire. Which it is. Yeah. So can the Avatar create fireworks? I think te- technically yeah. you could. <laughs> technically you could. That would be so cool. I want to see that. I do want to see that. Anyway. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, so she's like, she's like uh, remembering from her past and how like she's remembering things from her past. Things are starting to come back to her. She sees the destruction around her and falls out of the avatar state. The destruction reminds her of when she was younger and saw the destruction after the firework vendor had left the space and, uh, just burnt black everywhere. So she starts crying. Then she remembers a vision of Kelsang. It's kind of a a short little chapter. She remembers a vision of Kelsang, Kelsang and Kyoshi on a glider. This is when he was, when she was young, six, seven years old. And this get, is the, the kite? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> it's so heartbreaking. I know because he he just died and what we what we what we're seeing right now in this chapter basically the point of it is to add a little bit more like heart and backstory to Kelsang and Kyoshi. Kyoshi's relationship. Yeah, because You didn't explain what so what happens in this flashback? You didn't explain it. What happens in what? In the flashback. From what I remember, uh, Kelsang and Kyoshi, they, she's jealous of the kids having these kites. Right. And Kelsang takes her and says, well, why don't you come with me? And they go on his glider together. I thought she, he flew Kyoshi in the air on his glider like a kite. Yeah. Yeah, that's like, what I'm saying. So Kyoshi so, was like in the air on it 
And now she's flying like a kite. Oh, like she is the kite? Yeah, she oh, is. That, I thought that's what it was. That might be that might be what it is. <laughs> so adorable. Dude, I know. And then and then what but we're learning this after the fact that he just died. Right. <laughs> it's right. such a again, it's S C E style, dude. Right. It's like Kel Sang's dead. Let's remember some like let's go back on some things and then like just completely move on from it. <laughs> oh no, they don't completely move well, on from Kyoshi Kel Sang's death. No, 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 no. Kel Sang's death comes up. But like a lot times. of the deaths in the book, it's very sudden yeah it's very very sudden i like it um this is also when uh is this when i can't remember no i don't know this is this is also when uh kiyoshi um has the clay turtle duck but i can't remember what she does with it <laughs> well okay no uh this is no she goes back to the manor remember that's this chapter. She goes back to the manor. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, so okay. So, she has these visions. Oh, you're right. I'm sorry. I got sidetracked with the... Once we start, I kept thinking about Lord of the Rings and my mind, was, <laughs> my mind was over here, but my mouth was still trying to stay on track. <laughs> I just love that suit. He's in the shower. Come on. Anyway, um... So 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 she has this vision of uh, of this is dude this is honestly one of the coolest chapters in the book because she goes back to Yukoya it's raining right she gets on Pang Pang they fly back she leaves Jianzu on the mountain she knows that Kelsang's dead she knows that Yun's dead as well she leaves that all on the mountain goes back to Yukoya it's raining it's the middle of the night and she's in like this emotional fury almost mm-hmm. just run, rummaging through she said she knows she's got to get out of there. And uh, so she's going around. She's grabbing all of the stuff that's important to her. She grabs her mother's box, this lockbox, right? It's raining. I wanted, I love the visual on this because yeah. it's raining. It's you can outside. see this scene. She goes out to the wood uh, pile, grabs the splitting axe, and bashes the box open. <laughs> I like how so it mentions in this chapter that the whole like house staff is there. Like they're like watching from the edges of the rooms. No one's saying a word. Yeah. And it's just like I. <laughs> it's storming outside. Kyo, she's. Dragging a box and an axe. <laughs> like, just like, <laughs> like, what's going on? Yeah. And she smashes it open, grabs. This is when we see what's in the box for the first time. And it's a, a pair of fans and a letter and a headdress. As and a well journal, as right? A, um, or, sorry, not a letter, a journal, a headdress, the fans, and some makeup, which, as yeah. we come to know, that's Kiyoshi's gift. Right, right. And uh, I want to say there was he was there even no there wasn't a kimono in there or anything like that. Or was the journal outside of the chest? Because I feel like she had read it when she was younger. Yeah, I'm not sure. And the thing she also grabbed the turtle on her way out. Yeah, and she grabs the turtle duck that she grabbed when she was younger. Right. When they reminds her of Kelsang. Yeah, and because it reminds her of Kelsang. This whole time too, Ranji is like catching up to her and being was like, "What's going on? Like, what happened? Right. You know, trying to like." Talk, get something out of her, talk some sense out of her, and it ends up coming that she understands that Kyoshi's leaving and Ranji's going with her. Mm. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Ranji's the shit. Ranji is the shit. It's the beginning of their adventure. Together. And this is where the adventure begins. Yep. This For is where the story of Kyoshi begins. This is her really. adventure now. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it is. Boom. So the next chapter... Um, is really just Ranji and uh, Kiyoshi deciding their next move. They're flying on Ping Ping. Um, something cool about this is Ranji and her are talking. They're like, I can't believe, you know, you're the avatar. Like, 
normally it's there's never been a case where like someone identified the false avatar so like oh, this yeah. is a unique case and like she talks about um like the fire sages always find the avatar and she there's a throwaway line where she's just like when the avatar is announced we have a a great festival in the fire nation even bigger than twin sun's day oh yeah that's oh yeah that's right <laughs> it's like my favorite detail out of the book is is she refers to a festival it's bigger than twin sun's day so this is pre sozin which twin sun's day is sozin's comment because there's two suns in the sky, you know? Yeah. And so before Sozin's Comet, it was called Twin Suns Day. I love this fucking detail. Yep. And I love, that's that's why I love reading these fucking books. Because you get like little tidbits of the Avatar universe, uh, you know, sprinkled in there. And you can really tell FCE is fucking a dedicated part of, of this creative lines like that team lines like that throw it back to where you're like oh shit that i am obviously i'm still reading an avatar universe book right you know what i mean like it brings it all back together and at the same time ties it all together but at the same time you gotta know true you'd be like twin sun's day i don't know what that's about you know you gotta be a fan yeah you gotta be a fan yeah and it's per you know because we would only pick up on that if a firebender said it you know what I mean? Right. Like Twin right. Suns Day from somebody in the Earth Kingdom doesn't make a lot of sense, but it's right. like it's like, oh yeah. That's that's true. That's true. You know? I wonder what they call it in the other nations because the whole the whole world can see it. I don't know. Maybe they just refer to it as Twin Suns also, but it's not as important to them because it's the day the firebenders are at their all, or like if know, they're the wa- like the water tribe is like oh Apocalypse Day. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's what probably what we know. That's probably what they're referring to it eventually. <laughs> so they decide that uh, Kiyoshi needs bending masters. Obviously, she's the avatar, and they can't. But they can't go to any actual known master because Jianzu has connections all over the Earth Kingdom or all, all over of the them, world, yeah. all over the world. So they're like, "Where do we go?" And Kiyoshi's like, "We're going." She knows where to go. They don't say it in this chapter, but. Ranji's not mad of it because they're going to go meet up with uh, Kiyoshi's parents' old gang. Which is written in her. In the in journal. The, in the journal. In that, the journal. That she's, yeah. so, she, she, so she did read it prior. Yes. So it had to have been outside. Yeah, yeah. Chest. You're right. And yeah. that gives her, I mean, basically all the info she needs to know to get into the gang. Ranji and her, Ranji's not happy about it. They get into a fight and actually, but she has a sleepless night. And she picks up the turtle because she's like, I'm going to practice my bending. She can't bend anything small, so she tries to bend it. And then she thinks back about Zhu killing Kelsang. She gets angry, and uh, she turns the turtle into dust. Oh, the sacred yeah, air yeah. nomad. <laughs> <laughs> Used yeah. for thousands yep. generations. Turned to into dust. Turned into dust. And it's also, but it's also important because like, she grabbed that because it reminded her of Kelsang and, and then destroyed, destroyed it. Yeah. Yeah, it, and that's kind of a common theme throughout the whole book is uh, Kiyoshi, like her raw power and her raw emotion work against each other, mm. you know, and right. in the same way that they help each other. Right. She needs that raw emotion to summon that raw power, but sometimes if the emotion overcomes... Kiyoshi's like struggle is finding the balance between those two things. Yeah. That's her inner struggle. Yeah. Her raw power, like betrays her yeah you know what i'm in the saying? same way that her emotion betrays her. right right 
And she's trying to find a balance between those things. Yeah. That's and what she, I don't know if she ever really does, but she definitely gets better at it, especially with the use of some yeah. tools. So then she's so they're basically on their way to finding her mother's or and father's old gang, right? So then the next uh, we pick up where Gianzu's now actually made his way back to Yakoya. He's back at the Avatar mansion. Right. It's uh it's one of those cutaway chapters yeah. that it's that like FCA they're off on their does. way. Let's take it back. And now Gianzu is this the? F- I'm sorry. Is this the first like cutaway chapter? It's not. A, it's not a real cutaway. I think they're probably happening in very similar times because no. But like FCE cuts away to like what else is going on. He does this like oh. multiple and like he'll separate it in the novel with like the ink splotches. Uh, no, he did this earlier with Yoon having a flashback with Yoon. Okay. So, but yeah, this is a yes. reoccurring thing. This is another one of those kind of flashbacks. Right. So now Jianzu's uh, returns to Yukoya. He's like, he just he basically had to hoof it there. Right, he doesn't have Pang Pang. He's obviously not an airbender. <laughs> so he I forgot had to about that. His happy ass back there. He gets back there. Here, Ren's like, you look like a badger mole. Like, like straight up calling him. Like he just looked like he crawled out of the ground. He, he actually did. He's <laughs> a good dude. Like, as a matter of fact, uh, I did. You want bang? <laughs> so he right, so he kind of like tells him like, hey, you know, like some shit's going down between. He doesn't reveal to Heyran what happened. But What's it, the lie he spins to her? Uh, oh, he, the lie that he spits to her is that uh, Kyoshi was upset with being named the Avatar and has turned in shame or whatever and anger against her and Kelsang and Yoon. She he says that Kyoshi left. He doesn't. But give, where's Yoon? He doesn't. I don't think he gives any. He doesn't really touch on that. He just says that there's been a conflict between them and they've all kind of split. And then Heyran doesn't like that and straight up slaps him across the face. Um, Jianzu, being the tactician and politician that he is, immediately gets to work. Like, he's back. He hasn't even dusted his shoulders off yet. He's like, I'm... And he's like, Heyran, write a letter. We need some sheer shoes. Which... Oh, is it... Mm. I think you're mistaken. Hold on, hold on. I don't think we know it's a Shirshu yet. I think he's like, write a letter to the head of anthropology at Bossing Say. Yeah. And he's like, about, he's like, asking about their new finding. Like, he doesn't say their new specimen. Oh, yeah. Remember? Yeah. yeah. No, that's true. And so you're he, like, yeah. And you're like, what is it? No, but we, but we do find, I think he mentions that it's something that can. With uncanny like tracking ability, or right? Something like that, right. There, you can deduce if you know. If you know that you it's know a shear shoe. Yeah. Also, that was cool. That was cool that they they mentioned first of all, Bossing Say at um, the University of Bossing Say. Yeah, he was, and it's, it's the a letter same to position. the zoologists. It's yeah. uh, head of he was the head of anthropology at Bossing Say. The university or whatever. Yeah. What is it? Bossing Say University? Do they straight up say that? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's wrong. BSSU. What up? Shirts. <laughs> I'm gonna get a letter. I'm gonna get a letterman jacket. Yes, yes. <laughs> Hell yeah. Dude with the green and the gold cuff. Oh, you know what dude. I mean? Like Earth Kingdom and style? like Yeah, yeah. Have the letter and the the it'll be like the Earth. Uh, like the circle with the square cut out, you know? Yeah. Or, or no, no, no. Do the the other one, the one that looks like an A. The actual Earth King yeah, yeah, logo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one yeah. right there. That's perfect. Yeah. 
That, that's cool. All right, we're good. All right. Yeah, anyway, yeah. sure. That <laughs> but it's a it's a reference to uh, the last Airbender. Not the same guy, but the same position. Yeah. Yep. That position has existed, as we know, for at least a couple hundred years now. Yes. <laughs> and then that's really where it ends. He's he, like basically, Jiantu comes back and he's like, "Time to get to work. We got to go find Kiyoshi." Okay, so now it flashes back to Ranji and Kiyoshi um, on their trip, and they are approaching a a uh, Dalphi town. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's later. They're approaching just the town that she knows about from her journal, and she knows to go to find these people. She needs to go to a tea shop that's there, and the tea shop is in, like, the middle of town. So when they go there... They sit down at like like a certain table or whatever, or like one right in the like in the middle of the establishment, and she orders this certain type of tea, um, and it's like, how would you like your tea brewed like with red oh. and white blossoms, and like it's like a password thing. So, um, it's like the secret code word. Like, yes, it's a secret code conversation. And the waiter is like frustrated. He's like, and um. And he's like, this is bullshit. Like, and then he leaves a second. And then Wong, well, we don't know the names, but Wong, Karima, and the waiter come back. The waiter being Lek. And and they're like accusing her of being a uh, a woman. So these are three very important characters in the book right. that we're getting introduced. And to actually, I'm sorry I skipped over. When they're entering the tea shop, it's got a bodyguard. And he's just like this old crippled man that's drunk out of his gourd. And they, they give him money, and he's like super happy. Like she gives him some coppers, and then Ranji gives him a silver. And he's like, oh, shit. <laughs> he got the hook of He's like, fuck, yeah, I'm going to go buy some you guys booze. You come in. Yeah, I'm out. I'm going to yeah. go buy some beer. And the three of them, Wong, Karima, and Lek, they're like, I thought, I thought you were supposed to be watching the door. And he's like, <laughs> eh, he's all Picks getting all lit. Yeah. 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 And so they call her out because, first of all, it's an old code. So it seems sketchy. They're like, mm-hmm. you wouldn't know that code because it's fucking old. Like, yeah, you're, you're a copper, you know? So they begin to argue. And Lek, like, turns over the table. And Kiyoshi's immediate instinct reaction is she lifts the whole foundation of the tea shop up. Yeah, because she doesn't know how to bend anything else. It's just massive amounts of earth. Yeah, and then they're like, oh, fuck, who the fuck are we dealing with? And she slams, they're about to start fighting, and then Kiyoshi slams, like, draws out one of her fans. And they're like, oh, shit, that's Jessa's. It's going down now. And she's like, oh, wait. Like, you knew my mother? And then they're like... This is all happening in the middle of them getting arrested? They're having this conversation? <laughs> not... They, the cops haven't come yet. Oh, okay. The cops haven't come yet. They That's realize. Right. They're, just, they realize they're just having a little she, confrontation yeah, between themselves. They realize who she is. Oh, Clark's got the little wax pen. Pass it over here. I'm going to have to cut that out now. No, we don't. Yeah, we do. We don't do drugs. <laughs> Sorry. So she meets the three of them. They introduce themselves as Wong, Karima, and Lek. And um, does it go into their physical descriptions yet? 
I mean, I, Luck's a huge guy. Yeah, I, they, I mean, it's, I think it's important. Let's let's kind of uh, describe who they are because they're very important people to the book. Right. So you have Karima, Karima. is a waterbending girl dressed as she says she describes. She's like this beautiful woman. She's dressed as an Earth Kingdom, but she can tell she's from the Water Tribe. It's because of the K in the name. <laughs> probably. <laughs> That's probably exactly what it is. You know, like you were saying, how everybody from the Water Tribe has right. K in their right. name. So she's uh, clearly a young uh, waterbender with blue eyes and a K in her name, dressed as an Earth uh, uh, peasant. Right. Earth, Earth Kingdom, you know, person. Yeah. Wong. Like, oh, Wong. Wong's like the big guy. He's yeah. Like, see, I kind of picture him as the boulder. I yeah. know you said you don't really think of him that way, but yeah. I kind of think he's like the boulder, basically. Yeah, but I imagine the boulder with more of like a dad bod. A dad bod? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> a little gut. I yeah. mean, it does work in a tea shop. Right, so, right. You know. And then Lek is the teenage boy. Yeah, the kind he's of the youngling on the The little crew. rascal. Yeah. You know who he reminds me of? He kind of reminds me of, uh, shoot, I just had it, um, uh, Jet's crew. Okay. I imagine them like Jet's crew, but instead of Jet, you have Karima. Okay. Okay. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, that's how I think it. That's how yeah. I pictured them. That's cool. <laughs> that's cool. I like that. They kind of look the same visually yeah. in my mind. Like, that's immediately yeah. where my mind went with that. And I was yeah. like, oh, this is like Jet's crew. But what's the little kid's name in Jet's crew? The Duke. Remember. The Duke's the big guy. No, Pipsqueak. Pips, oh, Pipsqueak's Pips. the big guy, and the Duke and is the, the Duke little is, guy. Yeah, yeah it's the right. little guy. <laughs> yeah, so I picture... Uh, the Duke and uh, Lek are kind of like the same. Okay. 12, 13 years old. I think the, the Duke is younger than Lek. <laughs> I think, think so? Lek's like 14. I feel like the Duke is like 9. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Anyway, they, they start, they're like, they find out she has a flying bison, and they're like, oh, we're, we're coming with you. Yeah. Because oh, they're yeah, like, this is, how we, this is how we used to fucking bust out do crime and as they're discussing this like basically simmering down still arguing laugi is like hey the cops are coming dun 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 so the guardsman finally doing what he's supposed to do informs them right that the police are coming <laughs> <laughs> not in a way that he's concerned more of like just stating information mm-hmm. you know because he's drunk bastard right, right now. <laughs> he goes hey guys just to let you know uh, cops are here cops are on there yeah and uh and they do end up showing up they all place them under arrest you know they're like hey we got you surrounded you know <laughs> there's no guns in the world by the way <laughs> so they're i imagine they're just pointing their fingers because <laughs> they're about to bend yeah they're, they're like, like we'll do it like, freeze <laughs> don't make me do it I'm going to hit you with a rock. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they're all placed under arrest under the order of Governor Dang, who that immediately figures, like, pings something off in Kyoshi's mind. She goes, oh, shit. This is a, an ally of Jianzu. Oh, okay. They're not under arrest because of her. They're under arrest because she let out in the conversation that they were Daofi. Okay, yeah. And so the Daofi, obviously outlaws. So right. now the police are there to handle them as outlaws, not as a, an escapee of Jianzu. But she knows it'll come to light when Jianzu hears of... Right, so t- she can't be arrested. She knows she can't be arrested. So basically a brawl starts going out, and I love this, at Karima. They're in a 
she uh, takes some Alaugi's wine and like throws it on the ground and then freezes it. And then so as the police are coming to arrest him, they're all slipping all over the place using Laugie's wine. Nice. And I kind of uh, pictured it like uh, uh, like uh, like Johnny Depp in Pirates of the Caribbean when he's on the island. Oh, <laughs> oh, Laugie. <laughs> yeah, Laugie's like, why is it on? <laughs> why? Oh, shit. Why is all the <laughs> why is all the wine gone? Like you know, like yeah, she yeah, used yeah. his wine, and obviously he doesn't give a shit, so he's upset about that. And uh, <laughs> so a battle. I think it's cool that she froze wine. I'm like, damn, I want to be a waterbender just so like I could like waterbend beer into my mouth. <laughs> you know, like just, just don't even have to lift a finger anymore. Just like bend it into my mouth when I need a sip. Great. You know, that's uh, a great idea. I think here's what. I, so if if. Uh, if the Fire Nation did ever take like the Northern Water Tribe, uh-huh. um, I'm, I, w- I would imagine that they would issue every Fire Noble and a waterbender to their house, kind of like a refrigerator. <laughs> <laughs> like they have to stand in the kitchen and, free- <laughs> and freeze things. <laughs> a waterbending slave. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and their job is to just freeze things for like freeze their food Jesus. and keep it cold. <laughs> it's like a human refrigerator. Oh, God. That's awful. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they would do. Oh, geez. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of funny. But, uh, so they're, <laughs> so they're, uh, so they get out of there. Basically, they, like, dip the cops. They're, you know, they're all talented benders. They're like, they get out of there. No problem. Really is what ends up happening. Um, but on their escape, they're running through the town and we see dust stepping for the first time. So we see that um, so Lek, or excuse me, not Lek. Um, oh, all of them. Who's the big? Who's the big? Uh, guy? Wong. Wong. Yeah, she sees Wong do it first. This giant, monstrous man, dust stepping over a wall in the middle of the night. Like it looks right. almost like they're floating. So yeah, dust stepping. The as they're running, I imagine, I imagine it like they're running, and then Kyoshi's like, "What the fuck?" And they just started like taking off. Yeah, in the it air. looked like they were levitating. There. Yeah, yeah. So they start throwing. If you're dust stepping, you're throwing little clouds of earth under your feet so that and using them like a staircase and like running them up and you can basically fly like that. Yeah. And Karima does follow suit, but with water bending. She can do it with with uh what did she call it? Misstepping? I think it's misstepping. Mist. Yeah. yeah. She can do it. And then Ranji is like, damn, that looks cool. Let me try something. And starts jet stepping, which is like what Azula does, basically. Yeah. She, blasts she under the feet. Blasts fire under her feet so that she can fly. Kyoshi <laughs> obviously is like, well, I guess I'll just try to keep up on foot. But I love this because Kyoshi just starts running. Kyoshi knows she can't do that shit. Like, no, yeah. She's so like, she's damn like damn I just got to keep up. And she sees Ranji on the, on the, on the, rooftops running above her and so she starts hoofing it and she goes she realizes that she's losing her uh, focus and she turns and is about to run into a wall and closes her eyes and then just bashes right through the wall and like realize that subconsciously she actually bent her way through the wall right and then she's like oh right i'm an earthbender yeah like, and so what she does is she starts running through the town like the hulk just busting the through. juggernaut yeah like the juggernaut from x-men right just running through walls and carts and i imagine that somewhere along the way a cabbage <laughs> a cabbage cart just got busted up. <laughs> right through her fucking yep yep that's exactly what happened that's 100 what happened <laughs> 
Oh, so God. thanks for that, FC. Thanks for throwing in a little cabbage cart destruction yeah. for us, even yeah. though it didn't happen. But I, I imagine it did. Head cannon. <laughs> she gets, um, doesn't she get actually apprehended? Like, they, they, the cops come up on her, don't they? And then she gets bailed out by the flying opera company. Yeah, like something, I can't remember exactly. Like the final yeah. stretch. Because they're running towards Pang Pang. Yeah, they're running towards Pang Pang. They know they got to get out of there. Um, they finally do get out. They go, they land somewhere safe. They're like, we need to get a night's rest. We can all talk about this tomorrow. Um, Kiyoshi goes to uh, Lao Gi, the drunk bastard that was mm-hmm. supposed to guard the door, and is uh, and confronts him while he's meditating. Uh, he's kind of off the camp a little bit, confronts him while he's meditating and says and uh, informs him that she knows that he is actually I don't know I'm gonna butcher this name. It's okay. Tegwai the immortal. Tegwai? Tegwai? I don't know it either. <laughs> Tegwai the immortal. So and she knows so and to add some information to that, Tegwai the immortal, she knows about him because in her mother's books she spoke about a guy who killed both nobles and peasants and was a part of the flying a part of their group but would leave mysteriously out of nowhere and he was referred to as Tegwai the immortal yeah or and, the assassin uh, or yeah or the assassin and and she draws the, she draws the the conclusion that oh this guy that says he's Lao Gi yeah, is the is guy really that my mom guy. wrote about, and you know why? Because they said they also said he was three legged. He had another nickname that it was three legged. Yeah, or no, 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 a man with a cane. Yeah, that's how it described him, and she understood what they meant when they were escaping uh, the cops because Lao Gi was fighting and like he was doing like these crazy acrobatics and shit, but he was using the earth so like he could bend backwards, but he would use the earth to support to him. support him yeah so it was like he was fighting with a cane that's what they yeah, meant he, his, his earth bending he was using it as a crutch right and a cane yeah, yeah. so and it, which is super cool super dude. dope and so but what's cool about this is this is actually kind of a cool little end of the chapter because um she goes i know you're tagway tagway whatever the immortal or the assassin they refer to him as immortal at this point mm-hmm. um and she reveals that she read about it in his mom's book which then his mo- lets Lao Gi know that uh, Kyoshi's mom also knew who he was, but never brought it up. Oh, okay. So he was like, "Oh, you're just, you're just." He basically like is like, "Oh, you're just as smart as your mom. Like your mom knew who I right. was, but didn't say anything, right. and now you know who I am and don't say anything." So they make an agreement that she'll keep it secret if Lao Gi teaches her how to kill. How to kill. And that person she wants to kill Jianzu. is Jianzu. And this sets the this sets the tone for the story of revenge that yeah. really is the war path Kyoshi right. comes on. Right. This is her first step into revenge. Yeah. She's basically found who she was looking for. She was looking for a teacher. And what I, what I like about this, though, is that it wasn't a bending teacher. It's not a spiritual teacher. Well, I mean, in a way, I guess you can say it is as we, as we learn the relationship. But... The teacher she's seeking first is a teacher that will show her how to kill, which I think is pretty, right? Is pretty cool, right? You know, it, it's stuff like that that sometimes when you see those memes that are like, "Oh, Kyoshi just wants 
you know, if, they, if you Blood. only read this far in the book, you'd be right. like, that's so Kyoshi. Right. You know, this is the Kyoshi from the memes. <laughs> and then that's really where it ends. Next chapter, they, uh, they're flying and they, it's basically, it's kind of like a, just a, uh, like an exposition chapter, but they're talking with the flying opera company and they speak more about, um, Kiyoshi's parents. So she learns that, that her mother, Jess, uh, had airbending tattoos that were covered with snakes because she fell her and Hark. She was a young master. This is what we find out. Jess, uh, Kiyoshi's mom was a young master airbender. And on her nomadic travels, she met her father, Hark, who was an Earth Kingdom Dalphi. And she fell in love with the criminal wife with him and, oh. and loved him. So her airbending tattoos, she like cut off her spiritual connection that she had. So she covered those up with snakes. And also her, because she lost the spiritual connection, her bending became weaker. So she used her fans to amplify her, to make her bending normal again, basically. Oh, okay. That's yeah. That's a cool little detail. And so that's where, that's where Kiyoshi's fans came from. And then you also learn... Um, the basically um was her dad an earthbender or was he just her dad was an earthbender yes yes so kiyoshi asked them to train her and like wong will train her in earthbending she wants to learn how to dust step and then wong's also like i can show you how to use that too and he's talking about her fans so he takes one of her fans and he does like this amazing dance with it (laughs) yeah but it's like it's like uh how the kiyoshi warriors are you know, and it's like, what the fuck? Because you have this big guy who's like dancing beautifully like with elegantly. his fan, but she can tell that the movements he's making are like uh, offensive, defensive. Like she can tell that it's used in combat. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's not just some pretty ballroom yeah. dance. And she's like, "What the hell is that?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, Flying Opera Company is more than just a name. That was their cover. Since they were flying on the bison, they're like, oh, we're the flying. So when they would go into town to do a job, they pretended like they were performers." Oh uh, yeah, they're like we are right. the f- like mm-hmm. no. This is like this How is cool the business. Is <laughs> this yeah. is yeah. This is like, the here's bus- our cover. Yeah, is there the flying opera company? And then they go do crime and shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool. Dude. It's so cool. I gotta say, out of all the Delphi that are mentioned in this book, this is definitely the coolest group. Yeah, for sure. Oh yeah, dude. The flying opera, the Foco, the Foco. <laughs> <laughs> Another shirt idea. <laughs> Write it down. Uh, that's 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 all I took out of this chapter, but it's just an ex. But I thought I thought those details of that chapter were really fucking cool. You know, it's interesting that you say that. Um, well, it, it talks about it in the, it pretty soon in the book. So it's interesting that you say that uh, Jessa used the fans to amplify her power because, as we learn pretty soon, Kyoshi uses those fans to um, minimize minimize her power. Right. So it's kind of like using her... It's kind of like the whole... It's like another fucking Kyoshi thing. It's like, oh, yeah, of course, Kyoshi's way is different than everybody else's way. And then also, well, that works because her mother was an airbender and Kyoshi's an earthbender, naturally. And those are like the opposite bendings, too, as well. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So it's like they're just complete opposites. 
I think they were trying to do something there. Like, I think FCU was saying something there. No, that's a good. Hey, that's a good point. Actually, he probably was. You know, because yeah. to amplify to minimize the two different things. Like, I like it. I like it too. That's a good little theory. Uh, so now we're going back to Jianzu and Heyran. They get a message from Lu Bei Fong, who, as we know, the Bei Fong family, Toph. Mm-hmm. You know, this is her great, great, great grandpa. We'll say. Yeah, whatever. And. Uh, they get a message from Lu Bei Fong that he, they're invited to his manor with Avatar Yoon in hand. Bei Fong wants to talk with Avatar Yoon because he believes that Avatar Yoon should be under more formal, prestigious masters. Mm-hmm. Heyran kind of agreed because of what happened with Karuk. Isn't this uh, con- hasn't this been going on constantly? Like with with Zhu being the mentor of the Avatar. Having all the other Earth Sages, this is a constant thing, like saying, like, you're unfit to train him. He should be here, yeah, here, exactly. Here, yeah. And this is Lu Bei Fong calling Manu a meeting to say that again. Right. And, and Jianzu, we learn the relationship between Bei Fong and Jianzu here in that uh, Jianzu is kind of like, not necessarily an apprentice, but he's a uh, like a delegate under Bei Fong. Mm. Bei Fong is not the Earth King, but he's a very powerful noble. And Jianzu understands and respects that. So he has to go to the banner, even though he doesn't have Avatar Yoon with him. Right. So him and Heyran kind of decide they need to go. What I love about this chapter, though, is that Jianzu doesn't have Pang Pang anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. So he can't fly around. And we really see just how powerful Jianzu is, too, because he requests that the roads between here and Beifong's Manor, and I'm, it doesn't specify exactly where, but I like to think probably everywhere in Yokoya and between Yokoya and there, he, the roads need to be flattened out. Well, it's I think I think you, I think you have it a little. What it is is he's riding in a carriage. Yeah, and he says like he just makes a note of how bumpy it is, and he's like, I'm gonna have, he's t- he says I'm gonna have all of it paved out by Earthbenders. But yeah. he says the whole Earth Kingdom. He's oh, thinking about the really? whole entire okay. Earth Kingdom. Yeah. Yes. And he's powerful enough that he could do something. He can make like that happen. Yeah. He could go, we're getting these roads flattened out because I have to travel on them. Now. Yeah. It's like, And damn. he built the I-10. <laughs> yeah. Do you, think, uh, do you think he built uh, those little uh, shootways in uh, Ba Sing Se? Or in... Uh, Omashu? Omashu? No. That's probably specific to Omashu. Yeah. 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 But those are highly efficient. Yeah. But not everything's downhill like that, so that would make sense. So this is actually an important chapter because this is a big chapter. This is a big chapter for the Avatar universe because what happens is they get on the topic about Yoon and and we end up getting introduced to uh, uh, another one of uh, Beifong's delegates under him, uh, Hui, uh, H-U-I. I think it's way. Okay. I'm not sure. And these guys are, uh, John Zhu and Wei are at odds with each other because they're kind of jealous of one another, right? Like, uh, John Zhu preceded Wei, so Bei Fong kind of holds him in higher regard. But Wei works directly with Bei Fong now, so there's like a conflict of interest and power there. They're both struggling for that number one spot under Bei Fong. Right. And, uh, what ends up happening is Jianzu brings up to Beifong about this discussion that they have had with Yoon earlier about assisting the Southern Water Tribe, which is why they went to the iceberg initially. 
um, is because they saw that the Fifth Nation Army was obviously very active down there, mm-hmm. and they need to assist the Southern Water Tribe with financial help. To create a navy. To, to create a navy, themselves. to defend themselves, to add to their commerce so they can have you know, safely guarded ships between here and other nations and all, you know, is basically going to help revolutionize the Southern Water Tribe. Right. But what ends up happening is that Wei, jealous of Jianzu, undermines Jianzu's request because just out of spite. Yeah. Just just yep. like, just because Jianzu wants it, I'm going to say no. Right. Bei Fong sides with Wei on this. Right. And what ends up happening is the Southern Water Tribe now... Until we reach Avatar Aang. Doesn't have. Has no protection and is is basically isolated from the rest of the world and is right destined to be impoverished from there on out. Right. Because of this one conversation that happened in, yep. in Kiyoshi's time. Yep. Spite. Out of just pure spite. It's got spite. Changed the course. The roots. Could have changed the course of the Southern Water Tribe forever. Right. But didn't but didn't have the, didn't get to see the light of day because of one dude's jealousy. This is. I fucking love this book, dude. Holy shit. (laughs) And that's... Yeah, and so that becomes the water tribe that we see in The Last Airbender. That's why they couldn't defend themselves against the Fire Nation when they they invaded them. Yep. Whew. Yeah, that's a good chapter. Yeah, dude. And so that kind of sets... Why are Jonzu chapters so good? (laughs) Dude, because Jonzu's a a really good character. He's fucking awesome. Um... So another big thing that happens with this is that Heyran, upset with how the meeting went, upset with... Uh, oh, another thing is Jianzu puts a little uh, bird in Hui's ear saying, like, almost like falsely humbles himself to say, hey, I need your help. The Avatar Yoon is not here. He left or whatever. I can't remember the excuse he gives him, but it was a lie, right? It's not that he's dead or anything like that. He hasn't revealed that to anybody. It's that he's gone and he needs Wei's help with other sages to help find him. And Wei's like, well, I'll take care of it. And feels a level of authority over Jianzu now. And so Heyran doesn't like that because she says that he humiliated himself in front of Bei Fong, even though she, you know, Bei Fong doesn't know that. And uh, she actually takes off the ring from her top knot in a sign of disowning, dishonoring herself. Right. And now her top knot's gone. Well, also, Jonzu told him that because he wants he gave him that bit of information because he's like, I just told him. If it gets out, I know he's a, I, he can't be trusted. I need to figure out who I can and can trust now. Yeah, and whoever sides with him cannot be trusted. Too. Right, right. So he's, he did that strategically right. as Jonzu does everything. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't, really it wasn't a mistake. Yeah. He, he had a plan. Yeah, but hey, Rand being the Fire Nation headmistress that she is, sees that as a dishonorable thing to do and by association of everything that's been happening so far ever since Karuk, she takes off her top knot. That's a big deal And to uh, them. Yeah. She basically disowned herself from the Fire Nation at this point. Right. So Kiyoshi, Ranji, and the Flying Opera Company are traveling and they're descending upon a town that's not on the maps. And they're like, of course not. It's a Daofi town. It's not going to be on the maps, any official maps. Oh, that makes sense. They come into this uh, this town. They hide Pang Pang, um, and everyone there is armed. And you know, they're in, it's like a shanty town. You know, like she she comments like two guys bump into each other, and they're like, "Oh, sorry about that. Real, real sorry." Blah blah. And they're super polite. She's like, "They're acting like, oh, this isn't how I imagined outlaws to act." And Wong is like, 
they'll have to settle that later on the platform, on the combat platform. <laughs> like, they're going to fight each other tonight for, like, no, 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 that's bullshit. They're going to fuck each other up later. So they have to put on a face of formality. When they're, the when they're out and when they're on the streets, they're, like, super polite and, and nice to each other. But they know later that yeah. day. <laughs> it's on. It's on. It's so a there's a guy making a speech in the middle and... They're like, what's this? And there's a crowd brewing around him. And they see the guy in the middle. And he's wearing the, a moon peach blossom on his lapel. And then they're like, oh, shit. We need to get out of here now. Like, they don't explain why. They're like, nope. We need to leave. Gone. And then they start exiting. And they bump into someone. And they're like, Uncle Mock. It's just coming to see you. And it's like <laughs> oh. clear. It's like this is exactly why they were trying to leave. They didn't want to fucking bump into this guy. This guy starts being a dick to like Lek. The like, kid, yeah, yeah, like he's like like puts him in a headlock or some shit. Gives and him like, a noogie. Yeah, 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 and like you can tell he's annoyed. Lek is annoyed, but he can't say anything because this guy is an elder of their gang of their of the Dalphi. Um, so he invites them later to dine with them and watch the fights. Like, watch at the combat platform tonight. And they're like, of course, we accept. And now they have to. They have to accept. Now they're stuck They're stuck in this town. So he invites them. They have to accept. Otherwise, their life may be in danger. And now they're going to this yeah, kind of... they'll be stabbed by many swords. They're going to this, like, uh, gladiator arena, kind of. I picture it, like, in a... Not big, like, a gladiator arena, but, like, almost like it's in a bar. Yeah. Like a two-level bar. That's exactly... And then it's in the middle. That's exactly yeah. how I picture really? it. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly... Yeah. yeah. And it's just a square. Almost like from uh, like from Star Wars, you know how there's those little like gambling yeah. bins and stuff? Yeah. That's how I picture it. Yeah. Like instead of a table in the middle, there's a little arena. Yeah. yeah. So what this is, is uh, they bring them to this arena and they're having what's called a Lee tie. So a Lee tie is just a fucking... It's almost like an Agni Kai. Yeah, but, but not about and honor. anyone can challenge anyone. Yeah. And the thing is with the Lee tie, it literally stops like it stops whenever the the winning person chooses. So they can uh, kill you or they or they'll leave you alive as long like whenever they're satisfied, that's when it ends. Ooh, that's brutal. Yeah. So they're watching the fight. Um they go up, they meet Mock. Being in Alphi sounds very stressful. Yeah, dude. They all have gray hair. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I was just like, <laughs> at any time I can get challenged to my death. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For bumping into you on at the street. At any time? Fuck, dude. <laughs> it's not even worth it. I want to go join Tagaka instead. Yeah, right. <laughs> Fifth Nation sounding pretty good right now, fellas. Fifth Nation sounding pretty good. Hey, you got that canoe still? As they meet Mock, um, he like straight up like lashes at at Lek, like draws blood from Lek's hand because he speaks out of turn. Lek speaks out of turn and he's like, I wasn't talking to you and like cuts his hand open. Oh, yeah. So like, he's, he's being a- very passive aggressive with him and yeah. then like snaps. Yeah. Yeah. And basically he's talking to Kiyoshi and Kiyoshi, he tells him, he's like, hey, by the way, your friend, your friend's a, a feisty one. And she looks over and Ranji hops in the ring and like there's nothing Kiyoshi can do about it. So she squares up with like the the winner of the last match, I guess. It must have been. He's like the winner of the night. And he's like, I'm fucking serious. And they're like, no bending. They agree on no bending. And then they start 
like fighting and immediately Rondi just fucking takes his foot and fucking bashes him up like like mm. and everyone's like uh like oh shit and yeah. then like he gets up and like she just starts working him you know and then she's about to take him out but right before she does she just looks directly at Kiyoshi and lets him fucking deck her across the face Ugh. and drops her and then he goes Kiyoshi's like what the fuck was that and then he goes for the killing blow. She's on the she's on the floor. Right before he does, she fucking gets out of it and uh and like I think she like breaks his arm or something. But she right. she and injures she, him. She, yeah, like, she ends the fight. She ends the fight. Yeah. And Kiyoshi and her mock recruits them for a job after the fight um that they have to accept. He's like I could use you. I could use you people uh, on my team. He's impressed by Ranji. And he's like, so he enlists them to help on a job. <clears throat> oh, and doesn't Ranji say something about, like, this is how we would get his respect? Was if somebody right. did something right. like this? And Ranji's been acting out of character. And then so when they leave, when they exit Mox to go make camp, like, Ranji storms off. And Kareem is like, you better fucking go hang out. Something's out that. Ranji. Yeah. So she, she goes down. Uh, meets her by the side of the lake and Ranji explains that like she put herself in that danger to show Kiyoshi how she felt every time Kiyoshi was making these bad moves joining the gang members she's being Ranji sees Kiyoshi being out of character she says this is what you're putting me through oh kind of in a visual right. way yeah because Ranji's very by the book she wants mm -hmm. everything done with right. honor and dignity in the right way and joining the Dao Fai, like, this is the worst thing she could do. Yeah. You know, she was the headmistress daughter for mm -hmm. the Fire Nation, uh, for the Fire Nation Academy, yeah. which is the police academy, Yeah, basically, right? So she, I think at one point in that fight, she's even, it goes from Ranji's perspective where she, after she gets punched, she realizes she let it go a little too far. Well, she tells Kiyoshi in this conversation that she blacked out. Yeah. she Like, she, she got knocked out. And like she only she came to died. just in time. Yeah, yeah. Woo, like, man. Yeah, and then uh, they talk it out, and they realize that they love each other, and they start smooching. <laughs> but we don't know what happens from we here. We don't but know. They wake up the next morning. Well, yeah. that's you. They, so they wake up the next morning, uh, all snuggly together, cuddling. Right. And Kiyoshi's like, "Damn, I should have took off those clothes last night." <laughs> So they don't have sex. They can't because they're underage. Oh, fuck. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, but something does happen. They definitely get very like intimate over. And, you know, they're, they're obviously, um, their relationship's evolving. And Karima comes over the next morning and sees them snuggling and kind of like gives them a little like snarky comment about just being friends. You know, air quotes, friends. And uh, what's cool about this conversation is that... Uh, Kyoshi kind of like looks at Ranji and she's like, yeah, you know what? We are together. You got a problem with it? And it's like, uh, they're a couple. Bet. Yeah. Karima's like, nah. Yeah. Karima's <laughs> like, like, whatever, you know, like she doesn't care. But uh, for Ranji, it changes her whole like demeanor because as they're walking together to go back to the town, uh, to, I think they're going to get supplies or something like that. They're going back to the town. 
and uh, Ranji and Kyoshi are holding hands, and Ranji's like fiddling with her fingers nice. and stuff. You nice. know, like like they're like they're you know they're being a cute little couple together, uh, which we don't get to see much in the book, so it's pretty awesome. Um, but then they get to the town, and the Shirshu that we talked about earlier is there. Shows up. The, now in the book, they don't know what it is. They've yeah. never seen one. Yeah. Like you said, they didn't say it earlier what it was. They just know that there's this big snarling mole face looking beast yeah, in front of them whipping its tongue around. And it's paralyzing people. Yeah. And it's coming after them. Yeah, it's coming after them. They start fighting it. Lao Gi actually dips. <laughs> and, like, out. Yeah, and doesn't help fight. Um, but they end up getting away. It ends up becoming a whole thing. Um I think one of them does get lashed and like their legs paralyzed or something like that. I think yeah, I think during this fight they're they're fighting it off as they approach Peng Peng and then it tunnels. Yeah. And then when it and Kyoshi's like, fuck, but then it comes up and it hits Ranji. Yeah. And, and it Ron- knocks I don't think she gets paralyzed. I think it comes up at the ground and she gets like knocked fucking away. No, yeah. You know? And she tries to like burn its feet and yeah. that's that's what causes it to tunnel and like so that's a full on brawl. Yeah. Like they're all bending trying to fight this thing. Yeah. Are there two of them? I feel like there were two of them. At this point, I think there was only one, but okay. there is two, and I think we see the other one later. Mm. Um, but uh, basically, they fight it off because a bunch of Dao Fai come in with spears and kind of corner it in, and they dip. Right, so they get back to uh, Peng Peng. Lao Gi's there feeding them cabbages like nothing even happened, and uh, like literally, and, yeah. <laughs> and they're all pissed off with him for like running. He's like, "Oh, what's the point of fighting one of those?" And they he explains to them that it was a sheer shoe, and that's what it's capable of doing. And there's no chance in trying to fight that. Thing. Right. So he already knew. Yeah, he knew what it was. Got out of there. Didn't bother to tell anybody else. <laughs> And uh, and just dipped. But then all of a sudden, they draw the conclusion, wait a minute, Flying Opera Company is like, this year she was after you, Kiyoshi. Right. And they're like, what's going on? Right. And then it moves on to the next chapter. And that's when, so the Flying Opera Company is mad, and they're like, Kiyoshi, who's who's really after you? And she she she's like, okay, it's time to give them the truth. It's Jianzu. And uh, uh, they're like, like, Jianzu the architect? Like, they all know who he is. And they say the architect. So he's got another fucking nickname. And uh, they're like, oh, fuck. Like, <laughs> yeah, you got one of the most powerful dudes. Yeah, in the fucking world after you. They're like, are you, are you fucking kidding us? Like, that's it? Like, fuck, dude. And then they tell her that they reveal that Kiyoshi's the avatar. And, like, that just has them fucking weak. Like, they're like, bullshit. They don't believe like, her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Ranji's like, it's true, it's true. And she's like, nah. And then, and then, um, Kruby's like, all right, prove it. Like, bend another element. And she's like, I can't. And then she's like, think fast and throw some water at her face. And Kiyoshi instinctively, she like looks away, but she pulls, draws one of her fans. And then when she looks back, she's bending the water. So she oh, does cool. stop the water. So Ranji, that's three elements now that she's bent before. Yeah. Yeah. But she still can't bend fire at this point. She's only done it before. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's cool. She bends water for the first time. Ranji's really happy about that. Like, like throws her She's arms like, around Kiyoshi. Yeah. And then so they land and they're like, all right, the flying opera company needs to talk privately. And they go off and they, they talk. And when they come back, they're like, they're like, 
we have decided that we are going to part ways with you. (laughs) (laughs) And they're like, what? And like, all of a sudden, like, they were all talking to her, like, formally and like, like she had never been talked to before. They're like, yeah, uh, like, like, traveling, what we're doing is tainting, like, the Avatar spirit. Like, we don't want that. We don't want that on us. Like, that's like a curse. So even though they're criminals. Yeah, they're like, like, I don't, like, if you're joining us, you can't join us. We're fucking, we're criminals. That would taint the Avatar spirit. Like, we're not going to put that on (laughs) us. (laughs) Because then we'll be, like, cursed for all eternity, basically. Um, Kiyoshi's like, bullshit. I'm traveling with you. I'm going to fucking help you guys pull off this job. that's hilarious. So they're a bunch of thieves and liars and killers. And they're like, but when it comes to the Avatar hood, they're like, super spiritual and like don't right, want to mess right. with that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's awesome she's like fuck it no i'm coming with you to pull off this job and then they're like okay so do we know what the job is yet did they say in the uh at the uh at the fight? yes yes they're going to be invading uh governor t's palace and they're going to um it's a rescue mission yeah because they he has a, a high security prison that they're going to break out yeah and they're going to break out a person out of it. We don't know who the person is, but <clears throat> no. somebody that is important to Uncle Mark. Yes. Yes, correct. Sorry. And somebody that's important to the uh, to the Yellow Necks, which right. is what their gang is called. They're all Dalphi. <laughs> now, they're called the uh, the Autumn Bloom Society. We don't find out they're Yellow Necks till way later. Oh, well. <laughs> but, that's just hey, are. spoiler. <laughs> but, oh, that is a spoiler. <laughs> <All right. laughs> no, nah, it's fine. Yeah, it's so, fine. no. <laughs> <laughs> spoiler alert uh, can you give spoiler alerts after you said it <laughs> no <laughs> nope you can't <laughs> damn it it's one of my favorite scenes too so um <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> they uh they decide the um fine opera company decides nobody's gonna, listening to this that hasn't read yeah the whatever anyway, whatever <laughs> uh, the fine alpha co- company decide that they are going to train Kiyoshi. Karima will train her in water. Uh, Wong will train her in earthbending. Wong and Lek. And then Ranji will teach her firebending. They're like, you still don't have an airbending teacher, so you're shit out of luck on that. Uh, good luck for anyone. Yeah, because Kelsing's dead. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> Kelsing's dead. Hey, your dad's dead. Yeah. <laughs> You're out of luck. It's pretty, um, it's this dark. is also this is also. They're like you can't earth bend, and she's like, she's like I can earth bend. Poof, moves a boulder, and Karima doesn't even flinch. She's like, yeah, you have one trick. Like you don't know <laughs> fucking shit about earth bending, and um, she basically has the full till the full moon. That's where the mission is. To they say you don't have to master them, but you need to learn your elements to make this happen. To, to help with this mission. Um, she goes to meet with Lao Gi for some secret assassin training. And he tells her that he'll have pract- she'll have practice killing Janzu because she's going to kill General T. He has a contract to kill the, oh. the governor. I'm sorry, governor. Uh, the governor while they're there. And she's going to carry out the kill. So it's like a practice run. Right. He's saying, if you want to be under my tutelage... You have to kill somebody that I have a contract for. Right. Tutelage, good word. <laughs> <laughs> and then so and then next day she begins training with Wong and and uh Lek. 
and earthbending. It never says. I wish it would give us some details on how he gets these missions. You know, like how right, does he right. know? How does I he imagine know? it's like, and I feel like he's like Dark Brotherhood. Yeah, he's got to be some yeah, kind of I, That's the vibe I get. Like this secret under, underground cult of yeah. assassins. Which is super cool. Yeah. Well, Dark we, yeah, we, t- we can get more into Laogia towards the end of uh, of Shadow. Right. On who he actually is and how he gets to be that way. But mm-hmm. it, there's a lot of questions right now. Like, mm-hmm. what is that stuff? Yeah. So. Yeah. And then uh, you find out they're doing earthbending training. They throw a regular sized rock at Kiyoshi. And she's able to bend it away with the fans. So she can, she understands that she can use the fans to her advantage to smell, uh, smell, <laughs> to bend small objects. <laughs> Interesting tactic. <laughs> she's just sniffing rocks. <laughs> Become one with the rock. So, uh, yeah, so there, so basically from here it goes into like a training montage. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's uh, they have a lot of training to get done between here and there, which it seems like she either learns this stuff really quickly or Pang Pang's really slow flyer. Yeah, you know, because <laughs> she was able. So Wong teaches her how to use the fans. We saw how he was obviously very eloquent with them in the past. Um, but another thing that's we see is that Kiyoshi's all of a sudden like uh, there's kind of this jealousy that's developing out of Lek because he they keep making comments about her parents because mm. how, how important oh, they right. were how revered they are by the group right. and how Lek especially loves them because they basically raised him they took him in when he was abandoned his brother died it was just him and his older brother and his older brother died and they took him in yeah and Kyoshi's kind of jealous of that because yeah. they abandoned her in Yokoya Right. And let her starve on right. the streets and, and steal and, and, you know, not know when her next meal is going right. to come from sleep under staircases. Right. And so she's kind of like lashing out as, and like, as like an outlet for that. He's kind of like the manifestation right. of their abandonment mm-hmm. and what could have been. He like represents a lot of things to Kiyoshi and he, she doesn't like that. Yeah. For obvious reasons. Right. You know, right. not she, that it's Lex's fault, but yeah. like you know, he's. But Lex also, her and uh, Lex are kind of being like sassy to each other. Yeah, yeah, too. Yeah, Lex, uh, he's in love with Pang Pang and like wants Pang Pang to be his, and Kyoshi kind of like gets in the way of that a little bit. Right. And so there's like this conflict between them. They're both kids. Yeah. You know, they're both kids dealing with the with the being orphans in different like yeah. in different in different ways know, in different ways. Um. Kyoshi lashes out. Ranji doesn't like that and is like, you know what? If you're going to be all emotional, we're going to do some fire bending training. Mm-hmm. And gets her in some stance, right? So they're talking about their emotions and how Kyoshi's feeling about everything. And and uh, Ranji has Kyoshi holding this pose. I can't remember what the pose is called. Yeah, me neither. It's like fire stance. I think it's just fire stance. Fire stance, yeah. And it's basically a standard... It's a it's more of a physical like a mental exercise and it is a physical because right. you have to hold a static pose for a long time and physically that gets a little draining but really it's a mental exercise yeah. which Ranji's using because Kyoshi's clearly all up in her head right now but then at the same time Ranji comes in and is all being seductive and like breathing down her neck yeah. and stuff <laughs> this is all happening and uh, and Ranji you know and they get they have this like little cute little intimate moment. And nice. it's yeah, and it's yeah, it's starting to see the relationship kind of develop a little bit more. Right. What I like about the end of this chapter, though, is that uh, Lao Gi starts to mention how uh, Kyoshi's chakras are 
blocked. She's her water and air are overflowing, or water and earth are overflowing, but her, her, the rest of them are closed. And he's like, "That's not a good position to be in. You either want them all open or all closed, because otherwise your emotions take control." Which we were talking about earlier in the episode. Right. Now, there's this imbalance that she's working with, and Lao Gi saying. On a physical level, the shot or on a spiritual level, those chakras are out of line. That's where everything's coming I from. I like how Laugi knows that shit. I know, dude. Well, and he's then he goes on to end the chapter. What he ends up talking about is uh, Lahima and how Guru. There's this Lagima? Guru. Guru Lagima. Is it Lagima or it's Lahima? Lagima. Oh, it's it, Lagima. It's with the G. Okay, yeah. I thought the G was silent. So no, no, they say Lagima in the show. Yeah, there's this basically there's this Guru that. Uh, and Kyoshi's like, wait, and he's like talking about this old timey guru that existed a long time ago that was like studied under Legima. And uh, Kyoshi accuses him of being that old guru too. And he laughs it off saying, no, I'm more handsome than that guy. Uh, Which adds validity to the fact that maybe he is t- taking away the immortal. He's been around for that long. Because he's been around since Legima. Yeah. Does he explain, I'm sorry if I'm getting ahead of myself, does he explain how he, does he tell her at this scene about repairing your body? Is that this chapter? Uh, it, well, he's talking. I think he's like you have to repair your chakra, and you yeah. you need to be repairing your body too. Like, or you can repair your body too. You basically replace the pieces of your body. It's really weird how he explains it, but it's he, like being in a mentality of renewing every piece of you. Yeah, yeah. This is when this is where she's learning about what, as we know. Uh, from even from Avatar, they mentioned this. I'm pretty sure there's an old earth bending technique that allows you to live for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And he's basically explaining to her what it is, what it is, and it has to do like what you were saying with meditating and having your right. chakras aligned and being able to replace the, your the your physical of, self, yeah. basically. Yeah. And that's how, as we know, Kiyoshi lived very long. She lived to be like 230. That's how she lived that long. Yeah, she learned this. Or is this is this is teaching her that. This yes. is where we learned how she learned that technique, and right. it's from Lao Guy, Lao Gi, Lao Guy, Lao Gi, whatever. And then, so this is basically the montage. The next part is the raid on Governor T's palace. T? Is it T? T or two? It's probably two. Governor T two, <laughs> Governor Tootie's palace. But I think that's probably where we'll wrap it up for today. Yep, yep. So next episode, I'm I'm really stoked for it because it's just it's going to be an action packed episode. Yeah, the rest of the book is nothing but action. Yep, yep. This episode, a lot of just setting it up. But there was a lot of good stuff in this in these last ten chapters or so. Yeah, there's a lot of really good stuff. Yeah, I feel like everything we covered today added a lot of backstory to not only just what's going on in the future, but what happens way down the line. Like we're learning how Kyoshi lived to be that long. We're learning how the Southern water tribe became like was stuck in that impoverished state. Like there's a lot of worldly setup. Yeah. But the next chapters are bangers. dude. Bangers. Bangers. Let's sign off for the day. Um, you want to grab some like pizzas and beers? Yeah. That sounds pretty, that good. Sounds pretty good. <laughs> well, we hope to see you next week. Clark, we out of here? We're out of here. Yip, yip. Yip, yip.